Okay, Pastor Angel, it's over to you. All right. Good evening, Mosaic. Welcome to our um, Good Friday service. Um, this service is a time when we just take a moment uh, as we have been observing Passion Week to recognize that it was on this day that our Savior was crucified. And it's not so much preaching and teaching, but a remembrance of the events that took place during that day for him. And for us to feel what he may have felt, for us to think about the depth of God's love and God's sacrifice for us. And so we enter into this Friday night knowing that Sunday's coming, but still we want to observe the Friday night. And so it tends to be a more solemn, sober service, um, but just as meaningful and just as rich. And so we are going to begin tonight's service with um, the Hallel, which at the end of the Lord's Supper, uh, they left the room, headed to the Mount of Olives, singing songs. And these songs came from the Psalms. Psalms um, 113 through 118 were usually the, the songs that they sang together in remembrance of what God had done for them, in thinking about the redemption that God had planned for them, that the families gathered around would sing these songs, and so the disciples with Jesus sang. So hear the word of the Lord as we read to you from the Psalms. Psalm 113, 1 through 3. Praise you, the Lord. Praise ye, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forward and forevermore. From the rising of the sun till the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord remembers us and will bless us. God will bless the people of Israel and bless the priests the descendants of Aaron. God will bless those who fear the Lord, both great and humble. May the Lord richly bless both you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heavens belong to the Lord, but God has given the earth to all humanity. I love the Lord because God hears my voice and my prayer for mercy. Because God bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. Death wrapped its ropes around me. The terrors of the grave overtook me. I saw only trouble and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Please, Lord, save me. How kind the Lord is, how good our God is. So merciful, this God of ours. The Lord protects those of childlike faith I was facing death, and God saved me. Let my soul be at rest again, for the Lord has been good to me. Lord, praise the Lord, all you nations. Praise God, all you people of the earth, for God's unfailing love for us is powerful. The Lord's faithfulness endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for God is good. God's faithful love endures forever. In my distress, I prayed to the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is for me, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Yes, 
The Lord is for me. God will help me. I will look in triumph at, at those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Praise the Lord. The stone that the builders rejected has now, has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is wonderful to see. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Please, Lord, please save us. Please, Lord, please give us success. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God shining upon us. Take the sacrifice and bind it with cords on the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for God is good. His faithfulness, his faithful love endures forever. We'll have worship with Lindsay.
Thank you. After the Last Supper together, after the singing and the celebration, with all the joy and closeness, the communal intimacy, they entered the Garden of Gethsemane. How appropriate was it for Jesus to enter a garden? For it was in a garden, the Garden of Eden, that scripture documents actions taken by the first humans, which resulted in our separation from God and from ourselves and the rest of humanity and creation. And so, in essence, we're returning to a garden, a place of decision, a place to bring life. Decisions needed to be made. Decisions made by Jesus, who was called the second or the last Adam in 1 Corinthians 15 and 45. Decisions that have been, that have the potential to redeem humanity and restore us to right relationship with God and with ourselves and with each other and creation. Righteousness was at stake. In Matthew 26 and Luke 23, in these two gospels, we have record of Jesus and his disciples. Jesus and the disciples together, while they, were, while, while they entered the garden, Jesus asked his disciples to pray. And he walked a little farther on and he took Peter and James and John with him, telling them how overwhelmed his soul was with grief. To the point, he said, that the sorrow itself felt like it would bring death. And he asked them, stay with me. Keep watch with me. This is the custom within the celebration of the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. People would stay up at night on the watch. And as they stood up and, and stood awake, they would speak of God's redemption that was coming. And so his asking them to watch and pray was not something that was unfamiliar to them. But this meant so much more. Jesus walked even beyond Peter, James, and John and fell on his face to the ground and prayed, Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not my will, but as you will. The cup represented in the Passover season, the years of anguish and tribulation that the children of Israel had gone through. And for all of us, the cup also represents the years of anguish, the tribulation and the turmoil caused by our separation from each other. And the overwhelming sorrow Jesus was experiencing came from the weight of all the attitudes and all the fears that influenced all the thoughts that led to all the actions that have separated us. Then and now, yes, all the sin. It was an overwhelming thing to experience. It was an overwhelming thing to endure, overwhelming for a human being who had never done anything to separate himself in any way from God, from you and me, and what God had made. A new experience, a bewildering experience, a disorienting experience. And he turned to the disciples to find them sleeping. Could you not watch? with me for even an hour? He asked Peter. 
Could you not stay awake and talk of the redemption that is taking place before your eyes? It was as if he was saying, if you can't watch for me and with me, watch for yourselves so you don't enter into temptation, so you don't give place to the attitudes and the fears that influence thoughts and actions. I know your spirit is willing, but oh, your flesh, your body is so weak. So Jesus went a ways off again a second time to pray. My father, he said, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken from me, unless I drink it, may your will be done. For all those years he'd been upon the earth, the cup was before him. He was ever, it was ever before Jesus. And the overwhelming anguish was just out of touch. He focused on the days that he had. He didn't focus on the day that was coming. He was present to the moment to God, to himself, to us, to all creation. And now we arrive at the evening before his crucifixion. And he is present to this moment as well. He drank this moment in. He brought the moment close to himself. He consumed it as he drank from this cup. He who knew no sin became sin. And he returned to his disciples. On they slept, and he watched them, and he didn't wake them. He just returned again to prayer. This was his. He alone would face this. God, the word made flesh, would endure what was to come as a representative of, the, of humanity in a garden like the garden before. He was made he made his decision. He would endure. Because the joy set before him, because of the people that were before him. Even in that garden, he saw them struggling with their humanity. Spirit willing, flesh weak. Unable to join him in living the life that God intended. In beautiful communion, God with humanity, humanity with God, God with creation, humanity with cre creation, God, humanity, creation in sweet communion. He would endure the cross for those before him. They were, we are, his joy. And in those disciples, he saw the nations. And so he returned to his disciples and he said, Arise, here comes my betrayer. I shared with you before that the Last Supper was a supper of intimacy. And now we see how intimacy is being betrayed and abused. Jesus arrived, Judas arrived. Jesus wasn't alone, and I'm sorry, Judas arrived and Judas wasn't alone. Scripture says that there was a crowd. There were men with clubs and swords. The chief priests and the elders sent these men by night. And Jesus walked up to Jesus. Judas walked up to Jesus. They'd had such an intimate time in the upper room. And so when he greeted Jesus, he greeted him in intimacy with a kiss. Betrayal is personal. It gets close 
It comes from those close and near to you. And because of that, you and I have learned how to keep people back, how to push them away, to keep ourselves safe, how to protect ourselves. We don't let people close, but that wasn't Jesus's way. When Jesus addressed Judas, he called him friend. You see, Jesus remained Judas's friend. And no greater love than there is than this, that a friend would give his life for another. And he was offering his life for all the disciples, including Judas. And he called him friend. What we also have to understand about, the, about Jesus is that his authority remained his authority and his power. No one did anything to him that he did not allow. And when he greeted Judas, he said, do what you came to do. He gave them permission to seize him. But Peter, being the beautiful, loyal man that he was, Peter, who probably thought, that there was going to be an insurrection and, and figured that something was about to go down soon. Peter stepped in when they went to seize Jesus with a sword and cut off the ear of one of the servants of the high priest. I chuckle at that every time I read it. I'm like, okay, you know, Jesus has been faced with this overwhelming suffering that he's going through. And now in the middle of all this, he has to stop and heal somebody. He still has to be Jesus. He's still going to be Jesus, no matter what's going on. So remember, no one took Jesus without his consent. He told his disciples to put their swords away. He performed a miracle, and then he let them take him away. Now, the things that happened after this, the story moves very quickly. Jesus was taken before those men we talked about this, this week, the, the high priest and the elders, the people who, who were with Jesus and had an encounter with Jesus and received nothing. And I asked the question, how can you have an encounter with Jesus and not receive anything? And it was because there was a lack of faith. Now, now these people had Jesus in their hands. These were the people who thought they were representing God, but they were all actually standing up in opposition to God. They were fighting God. And some of us have had church experiences where, you know, we think it was only us, but no, Jesus first encountered the religious people who thought they were doing the right thing or who was manipulating, were manipulating the system for their own benefit. And so you and your experience, if that was it, you're not alone. Jesus had to deal with it, too. They hosted a kangaroo court for Jesus. He was already going to be found guilty. They tried to bring people in to lie on Jesus, but the lies didn't stand up, and so they decided to twist the truth. They brought someone in who said, well, Jesus said that he could knock down his temple and in three days raise it again, but that didn't hold up either. And so they came to the ultimate question. They asked him a question, and because it was Jesus' time, he gave them the truthful answer. Tell us, are you the Christ, the Son of God? And Jesus answered them, yes. And I tell you this, when you see me again, you'll see me at the right hand of God coming in the clouds from heaven. 
And that group of people who could receive nothing from Jesus, they completely lost it. They tore their clothes. They, they shouted, yelled. They attacked Jesus. They spat on his face. They, they slapped him. They beat him with their hands. This man who had just performed a miracle of healing the servant, this man who they watched in the temple, this man who they'd seen do miracle upon miracle and preach the good news of God, this man they called a blasphemer, this man they said was in opposition to God, this man, the word made flesh. They called him everything but the son of God. And they said he deserved death. Finally, they had their hands on him. So they took him to Pontius Pilate, right? And Pilate wanted nothing to do with this. He questioned Jesus and couldn't find any wrong in him. And so he offered them, every year we release one prisoner. We'd like to release Jesus. And they said, no, they didn't want Jesus. Pontius Pilate had them bring out water so he could wash his hands of the situation and said, his death is on your hands. And they said, all right. And so the guards took it and beat him and mopped him. They tore off his clothes and put a, a, a robe, a scarlet robe on him. And they, they put a crown of thorns on his head and they mocked him and bowed before him saying, hail king of the Jews as they spat on him and kicked him and hit him and beat him. And he was released to take up the cross beam. On the cross he would rest upon and travel to the garbage dump called Golgotha, and we know as Calvary. He traveled there, and there's famous songs like the road of, I can't even think of the song now, sorry. Um, but he traveled there, and he couldn't even make it all the way, but they had to bring someone in from the crowd to carry it for him. Abused, beaten, physically harmed, they nailed Jesus to the cross. And the people were glad for they had shouted, crucify him, crucify him. On Friday, this day, everything looked lost. The dreams of the disciples were shattered. Peter had already denied Jesus three times. And there he was hanging on the cross. And then the sixth hour came and everything became dark. And then the ninth hour came and he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This, the climax of his suffering, it testifies of this, of his separation from the sweet communion of God's presence. David said, if I made my bed in hell, Behold, you are there. So it's not this thing where God is not present, but the sweet communion of God's presence. To be in a good, healthy, right relationship with God, that's all he had ever known. And now he was experiencing what you and I experienced, to be separated from that relationship that gives life meaning, that gives life wholeness, that gives life peace and direction. And he was separated from that. Feeling our infirmity, our sick souls, in our relational separation. And he was alone. He was alone in the, it's not good for 
humanity to be alone of the garden when God created us. He was alone facing this, separated from the tether that gives unity to God, unity to humanity, unity to creation. And he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he'd never known it before. And the people rushed to give him some vinegar for his lips. And they said, well, now let's see. Let's see if his God will save him. And after that, he bowed his head and gave up the spirit and saying, it is finished. Finished, but not over. Finished the penalty, the requirement, the sacrifice of his relationship for a moment in representing us in our sacrifice, in our suffering and sinfulness to give us a chance to have this relationship restored, to have our peace restored. And so he said, it's finished. It's finished for you and I, it's finished. And we don't have to figure out how we're going to get in relationship with God anymore. It's finished and we don't have to figure out or wait for a Messiah to come. We have a Messiah. It is finished and Christ has stood in for us. And we see him tonight on the cross, a suffering servant, a person who loves our soul so much. And the response that we give is to love him back, to love him more, and to dare to bear witness, to open our eyes to his suffering and his sorrow and his pain, that God loved you and I so much that God entered creation. The word that spoke us into existence, entering in and becoming the living word and living a life as a human being, everything he did as a human being to show us that it's possible. And so much more that in I'll do it and I'll take your place and I'll be the one to make provision, to make a way for you. It's finished. But they didn't understand that night. Now, can you imagine how much fear and misunderstanding and wondering there was and how they went off and scattered to, in every direction, but those women stayed. And Joseph went to Pilate, who was a rich man, and asked Pilate, let me take his body. And he placed Jesus's body in the tomb. And the ladies were there watching over him. You see, it's Friday. And somewhere in people's lives tonight, it's a Friday where there is death and there is hurt, and there is separation and sorrow. It's Friday. But for every Friday, there is Sunday coming. There is hope coming. He may be dead on Friday, but he gets up on Sunday. Your situation may look lost tonight, but God is coming. He will not let you go. This is the compassionate love of God that chases us down to show us who he is and that he is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do. And he is our redeemer. 
It's Friday. But bless God. Sunday's coming. May you be blessed tonight with your families. May you be blessed as you read the scriptures of his story and bear witness to what he did for you and for me. May you be blessed and may you feel what he felt for a moment so we can feel the joy that comes on Easter Sunday. God bless you and keep you. Lindsay will continue with the worship and joy will take over after that. I love you. Stay safe. Stay safe. Okay, Mosaic, as we head out of this Good Friday service, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and maybe light a candle or lay on the floor or squeeze the hand of the person sitting next to you or your kiddo or your animal, stuffed animal or your pet or your pillow, whatever it may be. Just take a moment to Focus in, lean in, and reflect on what it means for Good Friday. The next couple songs we're going to do are all about Good Friday, about Jesus and the cross and his death on that cross. We're going to sing What a Beautiful Name and Jesus Paid It All together as a medley. And then we're going to sing Were You There? Um, my hope is that this music for the next few minutes will give you comfort, but will also give you reflection, give you insight as the Holy Spirit enters into your space and speaks to you about Good Friday, about the death on the cross and what we are expecting here on Resurrection Sunday coming up. So God bless you, hope you have a great Easter weekend and I'll be back on Sunday with more worship music for you then. You were the word at the beginning, one with God, the Lord most high. Your hidden glory in creation.
song. There's so much soul and spirituality in it. Um, but we can't sing the last verse because that's the verse of redemption. We'll sing that one on Sunday. Um, why don't we sing the last chorus one more time? needed to step away. I'm going to see if I can say this without crying because um, we just found out that Melanie Gilchrist's mom passed away. So Pastor Angel's headed to the hospital right now and um, if you would all keep Melanie and her family in your hearts, in your prayers, let her know that she isn't alone even though um, what we wish we could do right is Bring her food and gather and hug her. We can do that as best as we can um, electronically and over social media. So especially thinking of Melanie and thinking of so many people right now experiencing loss. We're gonna close this Good Friday service with a blessing. This is a blessing that is called For What Abides, and it's by Jan Richardson. You will know this blessing by how it does not stay still. By how it refuses to rest in one place, you will recognize this blessing by how it takes first one form and then another. This is a blessing running down the face of a mother who watches her child breaking on a cross. This is a blessing that you will recognize in the stance of the women who followed Jesus there. You will know this blessing now as it twists in anguish on the mouth of a friend whom he loved. You will know this blessing as it bears itself in the wound, in the cry, in the finishing, in the final breath. This blessing is not in any one of these things alone. It is what binds them together. It is in all of them. This is a blessing that dwells in the space between them though it be torn and gaping. This blessing is what abides in the tear. 
in the space the tearing makes. This blessing is for what abides even then. Thank you for joining us. Blessings from our family to you and your family on this Good Friday. We love you. Bye, everybody.